Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and today's show is brought to you by Talkspace and Bank on Yourself. Please support our sponsors and check out our show notes today for more information on each. Our guest today is a great one. Seattle-based photographer, Mike Hippel, author, too, and author of the new book, Lived Through That, 90s Musicians Today. The 144-page book, again titled Lived Through That, 90s Musicians Today. This book is fantastic. It just it features these wonderful portraits of dozens of artists who were popular in the 90s, among them Nirvana's Chris Novacelic, Belly's Tanya Donnelly, Arrested Development's Speech, and one of my all-time favorites, Cracker, and Camper Van Beethoven's David Lowry. Along with the photos are interviews in which the artists reveal what they've been up to lately. This is really great stuff. These artists are smart, talented, passionate people, and they've gone on to do a lot more than just their music might reveal. Mike Hippel gets excited to share with us all the bands, people, musicians, and these artists that you and me, frankly, may not have heard of. Mike Hippel tells us today that there are some gems out there. He names some of the songs that you're just going to want to go find and listen to because Mike thinks these are definitely worth your time. The people who participated in this book all opened up their doors and their hearts. The stories are fantastic. You're going to love this. Mike Hippel has been a freelance photographer for over two decades. His past clients include Fast Company, National Geographic, and Microsoft. Mike Hippel's first book, was 80s Redux, your favorite musicians today. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast author, photographer, Mike Hippel. Mike Hippel, welcome to the program. Thanks, Paul, for having me. Yeah, I, I'm smiling. I, you know, we had a chance to talk for a second. I know, I know you're, you're happy to be doing this. I love talking about music. You have this wonderful new book that we're going to get into, Lived Through That. I think my audience has lived through a lot of stuff these musicians that you have been writing about in the in the uh, in the wonderful book uh, I think are just going to be the subject of a wonderful conversation today but you're a photographer first and foremost so maybe tell us how you got kind of looped into writing a book that it must have been a very creative process for you to both write and photograph some of these musicians yeah definitely um so i i kind of got started because um we adopted a baby girl uh oh, actually, no, this was like 14 years ago <laughs> yeah okay uh, well so, congrats That's yeah <laughs> and um uh you know when you have a kid uh a baby like your whole world like revolves around that particular thing for a while um and it's great it's that's what you want uh and uh, but at a certain point it was like i kind of needed to like, um, just do something creative for myself. Right. So I started taking these like long weekend trips to photograph, um, uh, artists and, uh, architects and people that I really admired artistically, not even thinking that it was going to end ever end up as a, as a book or anything along those lines. I just kind of wanted to like use that creative muscle again. Right. Uh, and, uh, at a certain point, I decided, you know, I should probably kind of package this together as a book. And uh, uh, I kind of pitched it out to publishers and nobody really wanted to do anything with it. Uh, and then uh, one publisher kind of pointed to one of the pictures in there. It was of Dave Wakeling from the 80s band uh, uh, General Public and English Beats. 
And they were, they said, oh, maybe you should do a book on 80s musicians. And I said, well, that'd be great, but I don't really have a lot of connections in that world, right? I was already pretty uh, impressed that people were saying yes to me just coming into their homes to to photograph them. Uh, anyway, uh, cut to a couple months beyond that. I kind of had it in the back of my head. I didn't really do anything with it. But, um, you know, in my in my real world, I am a photographer. And I got a phone call from uh, a woman named Valerie from an 80s band called New Shoes. And they're down, down in Portland. And I'm right up here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, and she said, hey, we're putting our band back together. Would you come down and do some band portraits for us? And I said, sure. And when we got down there, we just developed a rapport. Uh, and then she was, we were just talking, and I guess a lot of eighties musicians actually lived down in Portland. So she kind of connected me with them. And then that created my first book called eighties redux. Uh, and from that, obviously, you know, that came out in 2018. Uh, and this book, the nineties book just came out, but obviously the sequel to that was the nineties book. So that's kind of a long story about how I got into that. Sorry about that. No, no, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, I, I do love the English beat. I think a lot of my audience is going to, um, you know, want to hold this book in their hands and kind of leaf through it and they'll nod and they'll say, ah, oh, this is all good stuff. I remember some of these bands. What was the, you know, what was the power of the 90s music for you? Because it clearly there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can tell there's personal attention here paid to, to these artists. So, uh, you know, in the 90s, for me, at least, you know, I'm in my 50s now. And in the 90s, that was kind of like the decade that I was kind of coming into my own. You know, I moved out. I graduated college. I was just getting started in my career. So when I look back and uh, at the 90s, uh, in the music of the 90s, um, it, it all just brings all that sense of freedom and, you know, uh, the road ahead and there's all this great stuff ahead of you. And, uh, it just gives me, a, it just, it's just very nostalgic in that kind of sense. Um, uh, but, uh, it's, it's just filled with optimism. And then also coming from the eighties music world too, uh, which I love like all that new wave and post-punk stuff. Uh, it seemed like in the nineties, uh, mainstream radio was really open to playing a lot of those, that type of music, uh, from the extensions of of those post punk and new wave stuff, uh, and it just it was just everywhere, right? So the music that I loved, I could hear the influence of the music that I loved growing up as a teenager in the eighties uh, in the sound of the nineties. How did you figure out, you know, kind of who you wanted to feature in the book? How, what was that decision like? Because I could imagine that. Um, you know, this this is kind of a personal. You can tell there's there's a real personal investment, and and some of the bands you might just kind of feel like, well, I, I'm going to get out there and just cheerlead for. You know, I'm going to evangelize for some of these bands. What was that decision like about who you featured? Well, I'm glad that you kind of brought up that personal aspect because really for me, um, it was really important that the starting off point be a band that I really liked or had an emotional connection to. Right. Um, obviously, I didn't know these people personally. I know a lot of them now personally, and and. It's it's amazing how all of these artists that I, I loved in the 90s are such great creative human beings now in the you know 2020s. Um, but yeah, so the starting off point was definitely bands that I liked. And it just, you know, it just so happened that many of them had such great stories to go with it, too. Um, but that was a, that was an added bonus because the stories of these artists are really make the, the book, too. Yeah, because the the stories 
are powerful. The, the photography is powerful. The music, I think, is powerful as you start to listen to some of that and go through it. But the stories, these people have done some things with their lives. And I thought that was very cool. You know, musicians are talented. They're artists and they've got lots of stuff going on. But there's I, I think one in particular and and. And I and I don't know any of them. And and this particular person, David Lowry, I'm I'm going to talk to you about for just a second. I actually, in kind of another life, as when I was a federal employee, I got to know him because of his work on behalf of uh, artist rights um, and copyright in particular. Some people think that copyright is a four letter word, and it's you know not something positive at all. David Lowry is a real advocate for it. He he of course, performed some wonderful music with some wonderful bands. I still listen to pictures of a matchstick band on, on my, uh, on my playlist, but he was somebody that I really immediately, as soon as I saw him, I just thought, wow, this is, this is, this is really great. Cause I kind of know him a little bit. And so he's a very positive person. And some of the stories are just very positive and upbeat. And so you must've been, you must've kind of been filled with some optimism yourself as you were kind of telling some of these, but maybe tell us a little bit about David Lowry too. Yes. Yeah, so David now he's a, he's a professor actually at the university of Georgia in Athens, um, uh, in the music business, uh, program, I believe, um, going hand in hand with the copyright, uh, event, you know, protection stuff that he works on so hard. Um, and he still does a lot of that work. If you re- look at his Twitter feed, you can see, uh, you know, his, his conversations about artists, royalties from Spotify and so on and so forth. And actually that was kind of a, you know, it's not just David Lowry. There's a lot of artists in this book that uh, really are, are pushing the copyright issue and, and artists' rights and royalties. And, um, you know, as an artist myself too, I see that too, you know, with the with the advent of the internet, it just seems like um, uh, everybody thinks everything is for free and that the artists should just be doing it out of the grace of their own goodwill or whatever. But these are people who still need to make a living too, right? So, um, but uh, but David was, I think, one of the first ones that really stood up for the copyright issues uh, way back, and I think it was actually in the early two thousands. He he really was making a name for himself in that world, uh, and that's how I think he got hooked up with the University of Georgia as well. Um, he still um, uh, tours with both Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker <laughs> at the same time. Uh, yeah, right. I, I remember asking him like. <laughs> is that tiring? And and he said, yeah, sometimes it gets tiring, like being up on stage and being the opening band and the other band. But, uh, but he's, he's a trooper. He's uh he's uh he's a really nice guy as well. And I, I will say like, uh, again, going back to what I had said earlier about, you know, it's nice to discover these people are really nice people um, because of David's like such hard stance on copyright. I was actually a little intimidated to meet him. Right. Because 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 he's he has such a, a strong point of view. Uh, but again, just a, a super nice guy. I just, you know, I just very welcoming. Yeah, I. I doubt he would remember me at all, but we, as an organization, we brought him in to testify before Congress on the subject of digital, um, the DMCA and and the Digital Media Copyright Act, I think is the acronym. And, um, and yeah, I was a little bit intimidated too, but then one of the things that the members of Congress wanted is they wanted to hear him. So we actually had an event and Cracker and Camper Van Beethoven played. <laughs> and uh, and so it was, it was here we are on Capitol Hill and there's David Lowry first testifying and then playing. So it was really 
he lives in the, a lot of these worlds, these interesting worlds too. I, I wonder if you think, I mean, we're kind of talking about, you know, copyright and, and digital distribution is, is a big, is a big subject. I, I wonder, do you think some of these bands might have even gained greater traction today via Apple music and, you know, iHeart, Spotify, all of these kind of these places? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, and I've been thinking about that too. It just seems like in our, in our world today, like there's everything available at your fingertips and it is so hard for anybody to really kind of break through that kind of, I want to say noise, but that's not the right word, but it's hard to break out and, and kind of distinguish yourself amongst so much good stuff that's out there. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, for some reason, I actually kind of want to say that maybe it was easier in the nineties, uh, because you know, you had gatekeepers, you had record companies. And I know that the record companies are not angels by any means, uh, but, um, but, but there, there was a certain amount of, of gatekeeping there that kind of was out there in the world. Right. So, so, but now like every everybody and their brother can can do music and put it out there on the internet and have everybody access it. Uh, and yes, there's a ton of really good material out there, but there's a lot of stuff out there that is kind of just noise, right? So how the question is how to break through on that without it's I don't I don't understand it. It's very it's very challenging. It's very challenging. Um, and I don't know if if some of these artists would be bigger today just because of the fact that there's more avenues to play your music. I, I kind of feel like it's harder to be to to make a name for yourself now. I agree. I I think it is hard uh, to be an artist. I I think it's probably been hard in, in any era. However, there were you know in in times you know hundreds of years ago, artists were getting support from royalty, or you know they 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 were part of the court, and so they had uh, a certain amount of funding. My my wife is a um, a dancer and a choreographer and and so artists rights are near and dear to my heart but I do see that with this mass ease of distribution there's an awful lot of uh, room for uh, you know just tampering and you know people uh, you know kind of just taking things that that aren't theirs and so I really I respect what what you've done, I respect what artists have done. I'm, I'm an advocate of these artist rights. We're, of course, with Mike Hipple. Mike Hipple is a photographer, an artist in his own right, has written the wonderful new book, Lived Through That. I've got a copy of the book that Mike's given me in my hands today. It's about 90s musicians today. And I just thought some of these bands I'm I was very aware of some of them, I would say, are a bit under the radar. You know, maybe digital distribution could have helped that. And, and maybe my own awareness could could be better with regard to some of these bands. But who do you think I might have missed out on from that era that could have been more significant that that, you know, maybe deserve to be who who didn't get the attention that they deserved? Yeah. Then? Yeah, there's a couple of great bands I feel like that that uh, should have made a bigger impression. Uh, one of my favorites, even to this day, is a band called That Dog uh, with Anna Warnker. Um, totally perfect pop 
punk perfection. <laughs> uh, that th- Their song should have been on the radio at every opportunity because they're so catchy. They have great hooks. They're great songwriters. They're just fantastic. Uh, and they actually just put a new record out just before the pandemic, uh, which kind of just picks up right where they left off. Um, another, another couple of favorites, uh, Chibo Mato, they were doing all sorts of crazy cut and paste thing, you know, back in the, uh, it was just, it, it wasn't jazz. It wasn't hip hop. It wasn't pop. It was, it was this weird melange of like crazy beats and sounds and, uh, all with a food theme, of course, but, um, they're, they're another favorite, uh, lush, uh, shoegaze. I know that some people really hate that word. But it's a it's an easy catch all, I guess, for that. Uh, tell me, tell Ivy, shoe gaze. I've What's seen that? that. It's literally shoe gaze. It's like a shoe, as in shoe on your foot. Yeah, and then all ga- one word. Apparently, what does it mean? Some British journalist, uh, you know, some the, the British music press can be a little bit snarky, <laughs> uh, and I guess like there was this bunch of bands that were coming out like Lush, like Ride, like um, uh, My Bloody Valentine. And I guess this journalist said that basically they just sat up there on stage and they all stared down at their guitars Ah, and their shoes. Got it. So kind of shoegazing thing. They were kind of a thing, but... uh, (laughs) Lack um, of passion, perhaps, or... But that, no, but no. I mean, the music is great. It's I don't think it's that. I just think that I don't, I don't really... Like I said, it's a weird kind of catch-all term that just, yeah. Yeah. But uh, another great band that I think is kind of underrated uh, is Ivy. Um, And they, uh, uh, one of the members of that band was Adam Schlesinger, uh, who was also also in um, Fountains of Wayne and who had a big hit with Stacey's Mom. Ivy is very different. It's much more, you know, like Burt Bacharachy kind of vibe to it a little bit. Yeah. but uh, but Ivy is also a, a great a great great band to check yeah, out. Yeah, and and Adam Schlesinger is uh, we, we is no longer with us, and so am I right about that? Did I read? Yeah, COVID. Yeah, um, he died. Uh, one of, he died uh, the last the first week of April of the pandemic, um, that of twenty twenty. Uh, it was kind of shocking actually, because you know he's he's my age, and it was just. This was, you know, weeks into the pandemic, and when I heard about it, it was it was really shocking, and and kind of brought home how uh, how serious the pandemic was at that time. Because um, I, you know, he, he, again, he's not a great guy. I just talked to him a couple months before for the book, and uh, he was one of the char- one of the one of the people that I really wanted to get in the book, just because he was in so many. He had his fingers in so many different hands of 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 the pot of, of music, uh, in the nineties. And I, I really think he's kind of a genius and, and gone too soon for sure. Hey, it's Paul. And I want to take a break for just a moment and tell you about our sponsor today. Talkspace. That's right. Talkspace. If you are feeling overwhelmed right now, then you are a human being. There's a whole lot to be anxious about between the 24 seven news cycle, divisive politics, All of this stuff, you know, we need to take care of our mental health and work through our emotions with a licensed therapist. For me, obviously, it's all about talking. I do that for a living. But talking with a therapist is another matter. You've got scheduling, traveling to the therapist's office, traffic, all the hassles. It's worth it. But Talkspace offers you a more thorough approach using technology right on our phones and the desktops of our computers. Using Talkspace feels 
a little like having a therapist in your pocket. That's right. That's why being able to reach out to my therapist or psychiatrist anytime from anywhere makes taking care of my mental health super easy. I'm more relaxed when I'm traveling, knowing if I need to talk with my therapist, I can just send a message from wherever I am. Working through things in therapy can be tough, but connecting with my therapist is not. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists right in your state, trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. No matter what, Talkspace will find you the right therapist to help you achieve your goals. My goals right now for me and Gretchen are just to stay as balanced as possible. I've talked about this before, but all the family stresses, the challenges, issues in life as we age are often overwhelming. But We are making our way, as so many others do too, I know. I mention all this because sometimes it helps, and this has helped Gretchen and me to talk to someone with another perspective, trained, licensed, and prepared to offer objective guidance when we're feeling a little bit out of balance. I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace for Therapy. You can sign up online and start therapy the same day as you sign up. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist. So it's incredibly convenient to have these virtual sessions from the comfort of your home. Talkspace uses the latest end-to-end bank rate encryption technology to store client information and complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. You're all aware of HIPAA and Talkspace is HIPAA compliant, and it's affordable. Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. Instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7, and they'll engage with you daily five days a week. As a listener of this podcast, The Not All Better Show, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure you use the code NOTOLD to get $100 off of your first month and show your support for the show. That's not old and Talkspace.com. All this will be in our show notes. Thanks, everybody. Hi, it's Paul. Our other partner today is Bank on Yourself. You know, when it comes to investment, we've been brainwashed into believing the only way to grow your money for retirement is to risk it in the stock market. That's not true. You can reach your financial goals and dreams without taking any unnecessary risks. Dear Not Old Better Show audience, our sponsor today, Bank on Yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. The Bank on Yourself retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. It's guaranteed. It's predictable growth. It gives you this retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork retired. In fact, and I want to repeat this, Bank on Yourself has a 160-year-plus track record of positive growth. Look, it offers you tax-free retirement income. You'll know what your tax rate will be in retirement. Zero under current tax law, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. And liquidity, which is so important to all of us today in the Not Old Better Show audience. You can access your money for any purpose with no questions asked and even use it for purchases or opportunities without interrupting the growth of those dollars. This is the strategy famous businesses like McDonald's and Walt Disney used when no banker would lend them a dime and almost 
anyone can do it. Lastly, and honestly, most importantly, it offers us, in the Not Old Better Show audience, peace of mind, perhaps the best reason of all. You'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your plan on the day you plan to tap into it and at every point along the way. Just to make you very comfortable with all of this, you can get a free report with all the details of how adding bank on yourself to your financial plan can help you take back control of your money. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash N-O-B. All of this will be in our show notes, but remember, that's bankonyourself.com slash N-O-B. Thanks, everybody. And now back to our wonderful interview today with Mike Hippel, author of the new book, Lived Through That. You're going to love the rest of this interview, so stay tuned. And we're back with Mike Hippel. Mike Hippel has written the wonderful new book, Living Through That. Mike Hibble. Mike Hibble has written the wonderful new book, Lived Through That, 90s Musicians Today. I, you know, I just thought, Mike Hibble, you know, these, the, the kind of the cool thing is that these artists have lived through that. They're still with us. Many of them are doing some really great things. I wonder who inspired you? Who in the book really caught your attention and uh, gave you this feeling of, wow, they've really come through it. They've really lived through it. Oh, gosh. Uh that's a tough question too. Um, one of the, one of the things that really became clear to me, and this was kind of in the back of my head, uh, when I started the project was that I think our culture generally favors, you know, 25 year olds and saying that, Oh, when you're 25, you're at the, the peak of your creativity. Right. Um, and that you can't do anything creative or interesting after that. And myself, I kind of grapple with that too, because I'm older and, you know, you're competing with younger people who are hipper and cooler than you. Um, but man, these ki- these guys, you know, these so a lot of these artists are still out there being really creative, sometimes creating even better stuff than they did during their heyday. Uh, and I was really happy to kind of, you know, showcase some of that. Like, for example, Tanya Donnelly uh, from Belly and the Throwing Muses of the, of the, in the 90s. You know, she put out a new record with Belly just uh, a couple years ago, I think in 2018 as well. But, you know, listen to this new record she put out today, called uh, not today, but, you know, this this year uh, with a band called The Loyal Seas. And it is just gorgeous. And it's like, I, I, it's really inspiring to, that, that it, is, it is so interesting and creative and different from what they she had done before, but so perfect and beautiful. And, uh, you know, I... I'm impressed with some people like Kurt from Ultra Vivid Scene, another band that's really under the radar. Uh, but they had these great songs back in the 90s. Um, but then, you know, he he kind of dismissingly calls them pop songs, uh, but which they are, and there's nothing wrong with pop songs. I don't, I love a good pop song, right? But uh, but he kind of just turned his back on that whole thing, and he now creates this ma- amazing video art, uh, and he teaches at an art college in in Boston, and completely just doesn't even look back on on his old work. And he's he's got some kids, and I'm like, do your kids even know about this great music that you had created? And he goes, yeah, sometimes they see it on YouTube, but I try not to make a big deal out of it. You know, <laughs> like it's like wow, you should just I don't know, it's just. It's just interesting to me that um, that he's found all these new creative uh, outlets uh, for his work. Yeah, I think in that sense, it, it was very – that resonated with me. That was very inspiring because I kind of feel like you, you know, I'm older. I 
you know, I, I definitely, like many, I think, in my audience are going through kind of a second act, you know, and I think it's wonderful to have this creativity at a, at a later age, later stage, because I think that's, uh, you know, it keeps you, um, it keeps you active, it, I, you know, it makes me happy to do this work, really, and, and, and get a chance to talk to people like you. The, the band uh, Chubba Wumba gets a ton of TV commercials, uh, lots of, you know, sports teams play the tub thumping song is almost an anthem. I wonder what they live through. Tell us a little bit about Chubba Wumba and, and uh, kind of where they're at, because I think I think you're, you, you mentioned you're in Seattle. I think it was kind of surprising that I think their lead singer lives fairly close to you geographically. Is that yes. am I right about that? Yes. Yeah, so. So Chumbawamba was one of those bands that I also wanted to get in the band in the book. And, um, you know, I was planning my trip to London because I was going to photograph a, a bunch of British artists. And I just assumed that they would be they were in London. Right. Uh, so when I was doing my preliminary research, I found out that um, Dan Bird lives up in this little tiny town, maybe like 900 people uh, called Twisp uh, up in eastern northeastern Washington. Um, very, very small town, very rural, very out there, you, you know, like the road to twist kind of closes in the wintertime cause there's too much snow to get there. Um, so I, I was really shocked that, that he lived up there. Um, but he just ended up falling in love with an American and, uh, they were looking for a place to live. And, you know, while I say twist is very rural, um, there's also, it's, it also has a little bit of a creative vibe to it as well. Um, so it doesn't. It, it it's not completely out of the out of the realm of possibility that he would live there. But it was still surprising to to, to see this British man living in Twist. But um, but yeah, the band the band. You know, it's it's so funny that that song is is everywhere because the band was so is so you know left wing liberal uh, anarchist collective kind of thing, uh, and then to have such a, a song in the uh, popular culture like that. But um, but uh, so the band did break up, uh, but it was pretty amicable. You know, I think that they if you listen to a lot of Chumbawamba's music, uh, you'll actually the majority of it is really a lot more kind of like alt folk kind of stuff. It's not anything like tub thumping, really. Um, and I think a lot of the people in the band kind of wanted to go more back in that direction and less of the anthemic kind of tub thumping way. Um but yeah, I think that I think that your audience should check out some of the other stuff that they do, and uh, I think you'll be pretty surprised by some of that. Um, but he's he's up there in Twisp, uh, you know. He teaches a class at a at a high school. He just kind of does some odd stuff. Uh, he does his own thing. He writes some books, some graphic novels, just kind of, you know, kicking <laughs> around <laughs> up in Twisp. What song? really drove you during the 90s what was there a was there one song that you just thought this just epitomizes my life and who i am oh my gosh that is a really challenging question there's so many <laughs> songs that i just yeah, uh, yeah. from that decade that are just great um but uh, a couple just a couple um deluxe by lush is fantastic uh not too soon by the throwing muses that was one of the first ones that tanya donnelly had written on her own Hmm. uh for the band that was fantastic um uh oh right here right now by jesus jones i mean that mm, just kind of okay, sums up yeah. the whole optimism of that decade right yeah yeah, uh, yeah. they're in the book um, classic yeah yeah jesus jones in the book yeah yeah i think that's a song that everybody knows that you hear it yeah. and you're just like 
that just brings up the optimism of that decade. You know, like communism is falling, the Soviet Union is falling, all this, you know, we have all this stuff to look forward to. Um, but I think those are a couple, those are a couple of those songs, I think, uh, off the top of my head. Well, Michael, you host a podcast, lived through that. And, uh, uh, I'm I'm a fan of your work. I'm a fan of the podcast. What's next for you? Will lived through that uh, continue? Are you? Have you got another book in the works? More photography? What's that, What's next? I'm for not you? really quite sure. I've been having a good time doing the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've uh, I love the way that the '90s book has turned out. Um, and in the back of my head, I kind of want to revisit uh, my '80s book. Uh, it, the 80s book was the first book that I'd ever done, uh, and I feel like there's some room for some things that I could change in that one. Uh, so maybe going back and, and updating the 80s book might may, might be an option. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about doing a, a book on the 60s, and I've been hmm. asked if I'm going to do a book on like the 2000s, but yeah, I'm sure. I I don't feel as connected to those decades yeah. as I do the 80s yeah. and the 90s, so I think it'd be really hard for me to do. Um, but uh, but yeah. I think uh, I'm not really quite sure what's next, to be honest. <laughs> well, we will stay tuned. And as you uh, make that next step, please, you know, consider coming back because we would love to talk to you again. Mike Hipple's been our guest. Mike Hipple's written this wonderful book, Lived Through That, 90s Musicians Today. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more information about Mike Hipple, his book, Lived Through That, his podcast, all the stuff that he's got going on. But Mike Hipple... Thanks for your generous time today, and thanks for sharing a copy of the book and reaching out. What a pleasure it's been to talk to you and just kind of relive some of this music myself. I, I absolutely am a fan, so thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me, Paul. My thanks to Mike Hipple for joining us today. His new book titled Lived Through That, 90s Musicians Today is fantastic. Please check it out. Again, I want to thank our sponsors, Talkspace and Bank on Yourself. Please support them. Go check out our show notes for more information. Also, let's talk about better and let's remove assault rifles. We don't need them in our hands. They are instilling fear in our children and grandchildren in the very place that they learn, school. So please, let's get rid of assault weapons. Let's be better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you next time.